There's Andy Staples. He was on the ref earlier this afternoon on with the Plank Show, which was really cool. Who else was on the Plank Show today? How about Ryan Leaf, who's going to be on the call on Saturday for OU and Kent State. And I don't know if you heard that interview or heard the audio clip that's out on our Twitter page, Travis, but Ryan Leaf came on and basically said, you know, the biggest thing I saw from game one and I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, is I saw a physical nature on defense that was there under Bob Stoops and was lacking under Lincoln Riley. That was kind of like a, oh, okay, quote from uh, Ryan Leaf today, who's going to be on the broadcast uh, coming up in a few days. I think that's what we all expected, though, right? I mean, it's, and maybe it's just that we've been around it so much, but, yeah, we expect physicality. I mean, I'll tell you what, those pads were popping. I was impressed by the secondary. Of course, they were letting things, you know, happen in front of them a little bit. But, man, when they got the ball, they were getting hit almost immediately. Actually, probably some some pass due props for some of the UTEP receivers for being able to hold on to some of those balls. Yeah, I I just like that. And we knew that at some point OU would get back to being a physical defense. And they can still still be more physical as a group. But I love, I love that it's been one game and someone outside of this market that doesn't necessarily pay attention to everything that's going on with OU football can look at one game and say, yeah, if nothing else, they're a whole lot more physical than what they've been recently. I know not everyone's surprised when they hear that. I'm just really glad that that's been able to happen after just one offseason and through just one game. So that's, to me, that was really good to hear. And I, and I think to your point, after one game, physicality is something that shows after one game because so much of it has to do with your mindset, how aggressive you're willing to be. And I think no, no matter who's catching the ball, no matter who's running the ball, whatever, I think physicality is something that translates from team to team. I don't think it's it's a situation where, oh, team looked really soft because they played a, you know, a great opponent. You know, I, I don't really, I don't really think that necessarily happens. You, you toughness is toughness throughout. So uh, there are a lot of things you could say. Hey, you know what? We we ran the ball decently well, or you know, we we you did did whatever against UTEP. But oh, keep in mind it's UTEP. But those hits and everything like that—that's that translates. Yeah. Um, would you like to throw your hats in the running back discussion? That apparently is the hottest. It's <laughs> the hottest conversation coming out of game one. I'm surprised it's the case, but it seems like everyone is in their own corner about which running back they think is best: Eric Gray, uh, Marcus Major, or Javante Barnes. What, I, because if you're an OU fan, Travis, you have to claim that you're one of the three. You are team who after game one? See, that's really tough. Uh... I think Eric Gray is is your best option as a as a combination of the pass catching ability, the moves in the open field, and then with his added physicality, uh, I, I think I still probably keep him as my num- as my number one. Um, Marcus Major's size and, and strength obviously extremely valuable uh, in short yardage and goal line situations, and Javante Barnes I still think has the highest ceiling out of them all. So I'd agree with if, that. So if I had to take one, you know, if I had to if I had to pick a corner to be in right now, I'm still in the Eric Gray corner. But I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely shopping for houses 
in the Javante Barnes corner because I plan to move there eventually. Well, I, he has the highest ceiling. I don't think a whole lot of people would disagree with that. Is he the best running back right now? I don't think that he is, but it may not take him very long to be the better of the three. I, I, and I don't know if it's going to happen this year, but by his sophomore year next year, yeah, I think he's going to be a big-time back. Um, it is fun. I, I, I still think Eric Gray is your best all-around back. I do think that he should be getting the most carries moving forward, and I think that that's what's going to happen. But, man, they kind of are the perfect complement to one another, right? And what I love about those three is no two guys are exactly the same. In fact, Eric Gray and Marcus Major, you know, they're kind of different backs. They're that, in a way, that thunder and lightning that I think that you're always kind of looking for in a running back room. And you, you mix that in with a true freshman who has the highest ceiling of the three. We can sit back here and debate all day and take texts on who the best running back is. But I kind of like the makeup of what they have at that position. And I know it's been popular this week to say, well, they don't have a Billy Sims back there. They don't have an Adrian Peterson back there. Well, yeah, no duh. No one ever said that they were going to have that type of guy back there. But what they do have is a pretty solid complement of running backs that I think can contribute at a pretty high level this year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess we don't have a Heisman running back back there, I guess. I mean, that's not – you don't need one to be. You don't need – again, like you don't need Dylan Gabriel to be – put a Kyler, a 2018 Kyler-type situation uh, season together. You don't have to have Billy Sims or Adrian Peterson back there. I'll tell you what – in 2024 and in 2025 you may have you know a guy like that coming through or a couple guys like that coming through um but yeah it i tell you what it is interesting the divide uh, because even gunny uh a a, a loyal uh soldier in the kref army says team saw chuck over here wow <laughs> so, yeah, not even a Tawi Walker shout-out, but Gavin Sawchuck getting some love early. But, yeah, you're going to be able to nitpick with this crowd a little bit, but here's the thing. I know we're going to play better teams than UTEP. I totally get that. But we average 6.8 yards a carry on a lot of carries to a lot of different – or to a good amount of different backs. So – I can't wait to find out more about the running back room by playing better competition. This number, uh, this number in the 405 says, love Eric Gray's moves, but he doesn't have the breakaway speed. I disagree with that a little bit. I think he does have breakaway speed, and I think that we've seen him have breakaway speed all the way back to Tennessee. Look, has he broken as many big runs as you would have hoped at this point? No, absolutely not. And that's why coming into this year, a lot of people had their doubts on if Eric Gray could be a legitimate number one guy. Um, and if you still have those, I think that's okay. But I don't think you if you do have doubts about Eric Gray, I don't think it should be about the speed. I think it should be about his ability to break that one tackle, man, escape that one shoestring tackle to get out in the open field. Because I think when he's out in the open field, that's what he does have is breakaway speed. Yeah, you've seen, I don't know how many times we've seen Eric Gray pound the ball into the dirt right after, you know, that one tackle got him. Um, and, and and since we both remember that and can cite that, 
does that mean that's an issue? Is this a guy that is easy to tackle? That's not what you like. Obviously, uh, last year he was a little bit more slight. Uh, Teddy had told us even preseason that he looked a lot stronger, uh, a lot more grown up physically uh, this year. So you hope that as the year goes on, you know, maybe those maybe those knees get a little higher. Or maybe he gets a little stronger through those holes uh, because I, I do think now does he have – you know, crazy speed. Does he have sawchuck speed? No, he doesn't have sawchuck speed. But sawchuck's one of the two or three fastest players on the team. So, T- uh, good. Yeah, Terry from Dewey says, how many times did Eric Gray get ankle tackled or tripped up on his way out of the gate last year? He was close to breaking off some big runs. It's just a matter of time before he breaks off some wow runs. I hope so, and and that's what I'm banking on. He did have a run of over 30 yards on Saturday. I think it was that second drive, um, like inside the five-yard line, inside the 10, when he busted that big run. Yep. So yep. I and, and it and it took him a while the past couple of years to have a run of over 30 yards, and he got it game one. I think this weekend a lot a lot with a, a lot of other things. Like the the offense is going to look really good this weekend, just like UTEP when this offense goes quick. When this offense goes fast, Kent State's not going to have much of a prayer of stopping him. When OU goes up tempo, Kent State's going to be on skates, essentially. And I think a big reason of that is what Eric Gray's going to do in the running game. I think, once again this week, he's going to be your leading rusher. And I don't, don't be surprised if he has not just one this week, but a couple of really big runs. Yeah, and, and, and Tyler, what, what's the – it's been on T-shirts even – what is the defense that you could run against Lincoln Riley's offense? Four words. Two of them Rest are three, drop eight? Exactly. So, if you've got a guy that's, uh, you know, trying to break, you know, ankle tackles and whatnot, and everybody's dropped back to keep everything in front of them, it's going to be hard to break those big plays. But as teams start to stack the box to try and shut down this rushing attack that seems to be the pretty much the focus of the offense so far that's the thing you're going to see Eric gray break a tackle and there's not going to be a bunch of guys to beat after he breaks that tackle and i think that'll make a big difference as well 580 i'll take all of the marcus major stock hey i'm uh running downhill he's a violent runner that runs downhill i think javante yeah. barnes kind of possesses that gift a little bit as well i keep talking about it all week man but i'm telling you the most impressive run I've seen from Marcus Major in his career, and it's not the longest run of his career. I think that came in the Florida game in the Cotton Bowl. But that six-yard run Saturday where he met a defender and basically he just lowered his shoulder and found a way into the end zone, that's a play that I don't think most running backs score on, and he did. I, that one that one really impressed me. So I'm yeah, not he's, buying he's all the stock because i gotta, I got to spend some money on some Eric Gray stock too and some Javante Barnes, but – no, I, I like all three of these guys. Yeah, it's, again, short yardage situations, goal line situation. I mean, yeah, pound the ball with Marcus Major. He's the biggest, strongest back. That seems pretty simple. But when you talk about the full, you know, the full options of the offense, to have it all at your disposal, I still think Eric Gray is the guy that gives you gives you more to do, more to work with because of his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, get out in space, things like that. I think I think if Marcus Major's in the game, I think the offense is a little bit limited compared to I mean it could 
a little bit limited. If if he's good at just running the ball and running over people, who cares if it's limited if they can't stop it? But, again, to open up all the weapons, I think Eric Gray is still the choice right now. Uh, it says, I'll take Eric Gray averaging four yards a carry all day long. That's from the 405. Well, on Saturday, he averaged 6.4 yards. I'll take 6.4 yards per carry all day long. How about that? On a good amount. Zane on a good says, sample size, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, 16 carries? Yeah, I'd say so. Zane in Tulsa says the difference between being good or great is not having a great running back. It's tackling and covering on defense and offensive-like play. Or offensive line play is, is what Zane was meaning right there. Yeah, I hear you. It does help if you're pretty special at running back. Bama was pretty special at running back a couple of years ago. They had a first-round pick that's playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. Um, so I agree with Zane, though we've seen some teams here recently. LSU had Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He was a first-round draft pick. It does help to be special at the position. Well, yeah, but I think we'd all look at that LSU offense and and, and not think to ourselves, uh, yeah, they had a special running back. You know what I mean? I mean, you have, when you have an offense with Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson, all these guys, I mean, I, I, I think – I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire might have been a little bit of a, uh, you know, the Chiefs could use an extra running back, I guess. You know, we're drafting for depth at this point. Um, I don't I don't think on the all-decade team that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to get a lot of votes, but the point does still stand that there have been teams recently that had a stud. Uh, from the 405, somebody says, I think maybe Gray has the same downfall that Roy Finch did. He's got speed Whoa, but tries to not remember the place? He's got speed, but tries to juke and dance a little too much instead of just hitting holes. That's my opinion. Um, Yeah, I think it's much different. First of all, Roy was one of the smallest Sooners to suit up um, in the last, what, decade? If not the smallest, maybe. Um, So you've got that. He had to juke and dance, but great jukes. Gray, Gray doesn't start juking like five yards before the guy gets there like Roy did from time to time. Like, like Gray will try and plant a foot close by and try and go by a guy like that. But, no, I, th- I think Gray just physically uh, and from, I mean, we've heard, him t- we've heard him mentioned as, oh, he's a true pro. He's the consummate professional. You never really got that about Roy Finch. I'll take any running back with a 4.6 yards per carry over those stupid inside bubble routes, TBOW loved anyway. Um, let's see. The fact that we can have long debates over running backs and which is better is a good problem to have. I agree with that. This right, one right. says, want, want a look at Gavin Salchuk. Did, did, does Gunny have want, a burner? Want, how many, fo- Gunny, how many phones do you have? Maybe so. Um, I wonder if we see Gavin Salchuk on on Saturday. If the game goes according to plan, Levy said he wanted to use a lot more players offensively. Well, me thinks you're going to have that opportunity on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. But it's, again, where are the targets going? Where are the carries going? You you say you want to play more players, but you also say you should have got Mims the ball more. Like, what's... You know what I mean? There, there's a finite number of of receptions, targets. You know what I mean? So it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. 405-651-3439. You guys are passionate about your favorite running back. 
or the running back you think is best on the uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line. We'll hit some of those coming up next. We'll also take a peek at what's to come in week two for college football. Some very interesting games on the slate. We'll look at those and more coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. We are the Homeless Suter fans. Opinions. You've got them. We want to hear them. Sound off 24-7, 365 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. The Riverwind Casino and Hotel, they're bringing you this hour of the rush. Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson taking you up until 6 p.m. I'm at Suter Bowl, where at 6 p.m., Key Lawrence is going to roll through here, and he's going to be hosting a clinic with the youth on like a little bit of a bowling clinic, basically, with the youth around here in Norman. So if you're out there driving around and, hey, you got a kid that's interested in bowling, wants to be interested in bowling, or, hey, just really likes OU football and wants the chance to meet Key Lawrence, 6 to 8 p.m., Sooner Bowl right here in Norman. It's going to be a really cool event. If you can't make it tonight, they've got open play on Friday nights here at Sooner Bowl. Friday night before uh, home game number two, Come by Sooner Bowl and enjoy a, a night with the family. Travis, you are at FC Tulsa where all you have to do is show up and you're going to get a free ticket to the match, correct? Yep, yep. All you got to do is walk up to the ticket office down here at One Oak Field and say, Travis sent me. They will respond by giving you a free ticket to tonight's game. And uh, kickoff is at 730. Gates open at 630. Uh, they've been good here at One Oak. Uh, eight wins, four losses, two draws. Uh, they're breaking in their new coach, new head coach, Blair Gavin. Um, he'll be joining the club actually next season, but just announced uh, that he'll be joining. So, uh, anyways, exciting times for FC Tulsa. Um, really looking forward to it. I'll be here tonight. Uh, make sure and seek me out. I'll be doing my, my laps around the stadium uh, for sure. i got to keep moving and uh, get ready for, you know, football season, right? So, yeah, come through. It's a great time. Paint me a picture where the Alabama-Texas game, there's 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter, and we're saying, oh, wow, this is a game. Texas has a chance here. Oh, boy. Um, penalties. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's got to be penalties. I think Quinn Ewers has to, has to put it up deep, and the wide receiver gets bailed out by penalties. I, I, don't, I don't know. To your point earlier, maybe, maybe fluky? Maybe fluky is the right word. Um, you know, a blocked kick here, a return punt there. You know, you know, botched snap maybe. Just you got to count on Alabama to make the mistakes that Alabama became Alabama by not making, which is a tall order. Yeah. You know, you know what's interesting too about this game is, and let's use the example of the Florida game last year. Florida wasn't a great team last year. And Bama was a huge favorite in the swamp, and it came down to the fourth quarter. And Paul Feinbaum earlier this week was saying, well, I mean, we've seen this before where Bama's been a huge favorite on the road and hasn't been able to cover, and it's been a close game late. The um, What you had the Florida game last year, you had the Auburn game last year as well, and you even had the A&M game last year where you lost. Here's the difference, though, man. Here's the difference in all three of those games to the Texas game this weekend. Those are tough road game environments. The Swamp was crazy for that game. Uh, Jordan Hare was crazy for that game. Kyle Field, over 100,000, they were crazy for that game. Like, 
in no way is playing a football game at DKR in Austin intimidating. So sometimes well, also, you can say, Bama well, was in at a least. Yeah, yeah, exactly, according to Nick Saban. So at the very least, normally you'd be able to say, well, I mean, tough home field environment, you never know. This isn't going to be a tough home field environment for Alabama on Saturday. Like 30% of the fans there are probably going to be wearing crimson. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't know. I, I don't think you can make the same argument for this year against this year's Alabama team as you could last year's Alabama team. Again, Nick Saban said it, and he might have been right. The only difference is when Alabama is, you know, rebuilding, they're still better than nearly everybody they play. And they probably win the national championship last year, if not for a couple of uh, key injuries in that in that national championship game. So that's what's crazy. They're back. Uh, they're going to be better than last year, which is probably scary. Where you saw it against Utah State, they're it's not a good team by any stretch of the imagination, but they took care of business. Um, yeah, I, I just don't see it. I, I don't see it being close because I can't. The offensive line, Texas's offensive line, and their lack of pass rush, that's, that's the problem. You can win this game by doing two simple things: defend the quarterback, defend your quarterback, and get to their quarterback. You do those two things. You're going to be in a lot of games. That's why the trenches are so, so valued in the postseason. The NFL, it's often the teams with the best defensive line or best offensive line that go deep into the postseason. You saw it with the Rams this past year. They called game against the Bengals in the Super Bowl, saying, you know, we're just tired of this. We're going to end this here. If if you don't have a pass rush, which by Texas's own admission, they do not have a pass rush, and you have – an offensive line that is starting true freshmen. I just, I true, I don't see it. I don't either, man. I just, I don't see a path here. I think Will Anderson and Dallas Turner are going to feast on Texas' young offensive line, especially at tackle. Um, but how does Texas keep this close against Alabama? The text line has some responses. 580 says COVID. Gunny says, well, Pablo Picasso couldn't even paint said picture. Uh, 281 area code. <laughs> Texas wins if Alabama's first and second string end up with food poisoning before the game. Uh, 405. That scenario happens if Bama's first, second, and third stringers are suspended for the game. So nobody, nobody whatsoever has confidence that Texas can keep this close. I don't necessarily feel like Texas fans even feel like Texas is going to keep it close on Saturday. I don't think the ones that are being honest can see it. I, I mean, I've seen a couple of tweets. Uh, oh, 38-28, Texas, big win. I don't see why Texas can't just, you know, can't, can't, can't just get it done. I mean, there's no reason that they can't. Yes, there, there are multiple reasons that they can't. Stop kidding yourself. But, yeah, it, yeah it, the, the burnt orange glasses are still uh, claiming a few victims. You know, uh, another big game this weekend. It's the ABC night game. It's USC at Stanford. Stanford's not a good – I don't think that they're going to be a great football team this year. I don't think that they're going to win nine or ten games. In the grand scheme of things, they might be a middle-of-the-road, maybe a little bit better Pac-12 team. But you know as well as I do, Travis, that if USC wins this game as a nine-point favorite, even though the hype has already been out of control with this team, if they start 2-0, and win their first Pac-12 game on the road, 
it's going to be pretty insufferable next week when everyone starts talking about USC and how realistic of a path they all of a sudden have to make the college football playoff. They will get – if they win, and even – I don't even think they have to win convincingly over Stanford. If they just beat Stanford, you will see, I think – I think I think there will be some, some top five opinions of USC just because I think that's what we've seen all offseason. And I think there's still a desperate – desperate plea for the west coast to matter i mean you saw that ucla picture even the usc pictures but the ucla one was bad i mean nobody showed up they tried to say twenty-seven thousand. ain't no way ain't no how i don't know if they were hiding or maybe they're all really thin and they were all turned sideways at the time but there were not that many people in that picture and doug gottlieb came over the top and said people people oh, all of you guys begging on ucla you know, you don't realize there's all kinds of things. It was really hot. Uh, you know, it was 85 degrees or whatever. And there's a lot to do in L.A. Yeah, Doug, that's our whole point. That's been our whole point. Nobody cares about college football in L.A. Stop trying to make it a thing. Stop trying to make fetch a thing. Well, the Big Ten. <laughs> you got him now, Big Ten. 22,000 people at the UCLA season opener. And I like how Doug Gottlieb, he's not trying to defend a game in November when both teams are out of contention. He's trying to defend the season opener where UCLA has at least some reasonable expectations this year with a 19-year returning quarterback and Dorian Thompson-Robinson coming back. To only have 22,000 out there for that game is pretty indefensible. It's it's pathetic, dude. There's there's no other way to say it. Hey, um, I, I want to hit on a couple more. First, I think that this is a pretty big game. And that's why it really annoys me that it kicks off at, like, 9.15 local time on ESPN. Number nine, Baylor, at number 21, BYU. BYU is actually a three-point favorite in this game. This is a very big game for Baylor. Going to be tough to stay in the playoff picture if they slip up in uh, Provo this weekend. I think Baylor's going to win, but this is probably going to be a slugfest late at night that we all have to wake up Sunday morning and check the score for. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to that one. We'll have that one uh, on the Yo Pablo TVs. Um, yes, we will. We'll be definitely watching that one. I don't know. It's just I've I've got to stick with Baylor until I really see Aranda like shook. You know what I mean? Um, they've just been so solid under him. It's going to be a good game. Obviously. Uh, an early look at the future Big 12 matchup. Um, do you see uh, uh, your Mark's uh, remarks today about Western expansion? He wants to go out west. Yeah, he's already said the Big 12 is open for business, and then he says this. It's like, yeah, Brett, we understand. Yes, you want to add Pac-12 schools. We got you, bro. We got you. Yeah, yeah, we get it. We get it. I think, I think speaking of BYU, I think you got to get Utah back in the fold so you can have the Holy War in your conference. <laughs> yeah, I, it's one of the – well, they're not even playing it anymore, so I am totally down for both of those teams to get in the conference so we can actually play this thing again. Like right. Utah is acting like it's a rivalry – well, they're not acting like it, but like the only rivalry game they have now is against Colorado, the Rumble in the Rockies, like anyone cares about the Utah-CU game. Bring nah, back dumb. the Holy War. Yeah, yes. Yeah, BYU-Utah, come on. It's the best – I mean uh, – 
for my money, it's the best name for a rivalry game. I mean, there are some other greats, obviously, but Holy War is, oh, that's hard to beat, man. Yeah. Um, OSU got an interesting game on Saturday against Arizona State. Now, Arizona State is a dumpster fire. And if you picked up any of those... If you picked up any of those college football preseason magazines this offseason, you likely stumbled upon the section where anonymous head coaches talk about other schools. And if you looked at the Arizona State team page, uh, they all basically said the same thing. It's embarrassing. It's a dumpster fire. They walk off the bus and look like a Pac-12 school. Then you start playing them, and they more closely resemble a Mountain West school. OSU had defensive ouch. troubles in the second half last week. Yeah, that's a big ouch. Emory Jones, the former Florida quarterback, is the QB at Arizona State. I got to think Oklahoma State takes care of business here, and Arizona State doesn't put up much of a fight. You would you would think. I mean, Northern Arizona didn't give them much uh, um, resistance mm-hmm. last week against Arizona. Um, but you've got to keep an eye on that OSU defense, man. I mean, gave up way too many plays in that secondary. Uh, that front four for them is is good, and it's really deep. But those linebackers, the secondary, I mean, they gave up four, 546 yards last week to, to the Chippewas. I get that a lot of that's garbage time, but yikes. I mean, that's, that's a lot of yards, man. Yeah. No, it is. Um, and some people say that most of it's in garbage time, and that's fair, but – they were even moving it early in the game in between the 20s. I mean, there was a point where Central Michigan did have a field goal in the first quarter to go up 10-7. They missed it, and it got out of hand after that. But OSU yeah, got Oklahoma to show me State more defensively. Can, Oklahoma State can get got on the, on the defensive side. I mean, again, yeah. it was Central Michigan. You can say garbage time or not. It, Central Michigan is not going to win a ton of football games this year. They're going to be close, kind of like uh, maybe a poor man's Nebraska from last year. Just a lot of, a lot of close games. Or from this year, for that matter, might be the uh, might be accurate. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I just need to see some stuff from Oklahoma State's defense. By the way, I don't care what Iowa looked like on Saturday. I don't care they didn't score a touchdown and only won seven to three over South Dakota State. They're playing Iowa State on Saturday. They're going to beat Iowa State on Saturday because if nothing else, <laughs> that's what Iowa does. They beat Iowa State. May not be a high scoring game, may be boring, but they'll win that game. If if Matt Campbell loses that game, does. Is he on the hot seat? No, I don't think he's on I the mean, hot seat. I just don't think. I don't know, man. And 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 I know he his seat wouldn't be hot, hot. But I feel like I feel like it would at least warm up a bit because, dude, you had the best, but the best year of his career was what uh, uh, Purdy twenty twenty. They won the Fiesta Pur- Bowl. Purdy and Brees Hall's junior years. That would have been. Right, because then they came back their senior yep. year and underperformed um, compared to what all the expectations were, and hasn't really been much. I mean, when when we all talked about the schedule all off season, and even when we talk about it now, I don't think anybody's like, "Oh man, I'm really uh, I'm circling that Iowa State game." You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, they feel good about Hunter Decker as a quarterback. We'll see. But Iowa State's going to lose to Iowa because Iowa State just loses to Iowa. It, it, it always it always happens. All right, I'm at Sooner Bowl in Norman. Key Lawrence going to be here from 6 to 8. Travis is at FC Tulsa. One Oak Field, free tickets. All you got to do is walk up to the box office and say, hey, 
Travis sent me. And they'll be like, all right, here's a free ticket to the match, which begins at 7.30 tonight. More to come. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. This hour of The Rush is brought to you by Riverwind Casino. Casino and hotel, over 2,700 electronic games, 30 game tables, a 24-7 poker room, and the best in concerts and comedy. Riverwind Casino, just south of Norman on Highway 9 and I-35. It's The Rush on The Ref. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Hey, uh, is there any scuttlebutt out there that um, alternate uniforms might be worn on Saturday? Is that the thing that's being discussed? Um, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't count on it being Saturday. Um, I would maybe circle a later date. Um, maybe look for. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the same time the end zones get painted. Maybe the uniforms do too. I don't know. Just again, throw things State out game? there. Is that well, your prediction? Know, I'm just saying. Yep. Yeah, just throw throw okay. that out there. That'd be my prediction. I they, would count uh, on it did, tomorrow, though. I mean, they Saturday, did wear the sorry. alternates last time they played Kansas State at home. That did not go very well. I'm just wondering, a little bit of an alternate uniform update because it is always a hot button topic. Very uh, hot button s- topic. Yeah, you either like them or you hate them. There is no in between with the uh, alternate uniform discussion. I can say so. with confidence okay. that the the next alternates we see, just based on conversations i've had with people from other sports and things like that that have looked to do kind of an alternate look uh that they will not be black yeah there was a rumor a couple of years ago that they were going to have black alternates at some point but it was during covid and they couldn't get those out they wore that black stripe on their helmet against kansas state that year yeah i i I do wonder if the alternates are going to change in the future and i don't know what that contract looks like they do have to wear it uh, one home game and one away game. I believe that's at least what the contract was. But I would that's bet, a thing, I would bet man. that they do change. I would. Yeah, I, I yeah, would. probably. That um, yep. alternate uniform week, we spend about forty percent of the time talking about the game, and sixty percent of the time talking about how much everyone hates the alternate uniforms. It's well, just you know what's great. funny is when the twenty twenty four class. Um, slogan or hashtag or whatever you want to call it came out. The hashtag 24K, uh, talking about the gold standard um, of Oklahoma. You know, where my, my mind automatically went was the 100th anniversary OU Texas game where we had the gold accents on those Nike jerseys that were so sweet. Um, and I put it out said, hey, let's do these again. And everybody's like, we lost that game. I'm like, trust me, the jerseys didn't throw the pick six. Like the jerseys didn't give up. Like I think it was a punt return. Like, like it was not the it was not the jerseys' fault. If we got rid of every jersey that OU ever lost in, we would never we wouldn't wear our home and away jerseys. That's we wouldn't. True. We would have uh, to get new jerseys every year. You want some breaking recruiting news that everyone's going to love? Of course, send it. Well, I, yeah, I, it's not anything OU related, but it is USC related. Breaking. Four-star corner Braxton Myers has decommitted from USC. Uh, Attic Capel, Texas, been committed to USC since May. He just released a statement saying, see ya. 
I'm not committed to USC anymore. He was the uh, he he is the number 184 ranked player nationally, and he is the sixth ranked prospect in USC's 23 class. So they will be outside well, the top any, 15 at the anymore, end of tonight. Uh, not anymore, he isn't. I guess. Um, man, what a bummer. You know, I guess that. I guess I guess that three. If you can't retain a defensive back commit after you have three pick sixes, I mean, when can you? I mean, I'm just telling you, there's a chance this class falls apart before we get to December. If Malachi Nelson ends up flipping to A&M, then this class is going to be a disaster for USC. There's no other way to say it. Attacky Curtis is going to be one of the only people in that class here by the by the end of it, if that's the case. He's a pretty good player, but you need more than a he pretty is. good linebacker out of Louisiana to have a, you know, legitimate recruiting class. Because remember, USC's try, still trying to build their roster, man. They're still trying to get over the hump and get a roster that can be competitive against the best teams in the country. They don't have one right now, and the way that this class is looking, I don't know if they're going to have that with this year's class. So USC going to be out of the top 15, and I think a whole lot of people are going to say, wait a minute. I thought that he was going to own recruiting on the West Coast. I thought he said that he couldn't build a championship roster at Oklahoma. How's OU the number five class, and how is he like the 17 or 18 class? Maybe at some point yeah. people ask that question, Travis. I don't know. Yeah, the one again. It's been said before, but I need to. I'm going to reiterate it. When he said he couldn't build a class at Oklahoma that you know could could compete for national titles. He wasn't lying. He couldn't. You know who can? Brent Venables. So Clearly. Fine. Clearly. Four-star corner out of the state of Texas. Decommits from USC just five minutes ago. So uh, the recruiting hits for you USC cla- keep coming. You have their class pulled up there, I imagine. Do they have any other defensive backs in the class even? Um, that is a great question. I am scrolling down right now, and I see a four-star corner, Malachi Crawford out of Oxnard, California, and I see a three-star safety out of Rancho Cucamonga, and that is it. So thin in the secondary in this 2023 class. Shocker to no one. Hmm. Hmm. Funny how that works. Well, you know, good luck to him out there, I suppose. Yeah, 85% chance Mule Shoes Shoes recruiting class falls apart before January. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good percentage, by the way. And uh, that percentage is getting ever so closer to 100% as the days goes goes on. All right, we'll uh, we'll close up the show. Coming up next, keep it locked on the ref. More college football on the other side. We are the Homo Sooner fans. Football is here, and your home for the best Sooner coverage statewide is the ref. From the booth to the sidelines and beyond, our guys are there. The OU football talk you crave is right here on your home for Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Sports Network. All right, final segment. Closing it up on this Wednesday, Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. I'm at Sooner Bowl where at any given moment, Key Lawrence is going to be here. He'll be here until 8 p.m. doing a uh, kids bowling clinic here. So if you're out there, bring your kid by. I've got a chance to meet Key Lawrence. Can't make it by tonight. Every Friday is open play. So come bring the family on Friday nights and enjoy Sooner Bowl. Travis is at FC Tulsa, One Oak Field. Again, 7.30 is the uh, start time for FC Tulsa against Louisville. 
Go up to the ticket office, say, Travis, sit me. Get a free ticket to tonight's match. That's pretty cool. Hey, man, I don't think ESPN gets a lot of things right, but they actually did get something right today, and I will commend them for that. Um, College game day needs a little bit of a spark, and Pat McAfee, I think, is the spark that they 100% need. Need a little bit more personality on that show. Pat McAfee brings all the personality that you need. That's a nice addition to college game day. Yeah, and I couldn't be more excited for for Pat McAfee. I know uh, maybe not a lot of people know how he's handled his, um, you know, his meteoric rise in the industry. But this was a guy that kind of was questioned as he decided to go the podcast route before anybody really was doing podcasts real big time. Uh, he did it when he when he signed their big time deal. I think it was with DraftKings. Uh, he went back to his hometown, donated a million dollars here, a million dollars here to all of his youth programs, all that. Shout out Pat McAfee, man. It's always, it's always good to see a good one uh, cash in. Uh, apologies to you before we get out of here. Uh, my bad I did not catch your Mean Girls reference. To say I'm disappointed in myself <laughs> is an understatement. Uh, Very you know, disappointed in myself. You got uh, to keep those ears on, man. Yeah. Hey, for, uh, Travis is going to be back with me on Friday. We'll be at the Bob Stoops Golf Tournament at Jimmy Austin. That figures to be an awesome day. Bob Stoops going to hop on with us. Some former players going to hop on with us as well. Maybe even the king, Barry Switzer. Can't wait for that. Thank you, as always, for the text and all the interaction. We'll talk to you tomorrow. You're listening to The Ref. We are the Homeless Sooner fans. Closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can. Wake up every morning with the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. It's the T-Row in the Morning Show with Toby and TJ Perry on the home of Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network.